Hello again, everybody. You are listening to Third Down Gamble, the CFL betting podcast. I'm your host, Kyle McMahon. This is going to be part two of our week seven show. Uh, If you have not yet listened to part one, that should be available to you. And if not, well, sit back and enjoy the the breakdowns of BC, Montreal and and Edmonton, Winnipeg here. We'll, uh, We'll dive right into it. So the Lions and the Alouettes, that's going to be the first game of the Saturday night doubleheader. Both teams coming in after shellacking the Red Blacks. And we're seeing the home side favored here. Montreal minus four at the moment. Over under is 48 and a half. Hard to believe that that number stands out as one of the highest totals we've seen in a few weeks. On the injury front, uh, expect to see James Butler back on the field as the primary running back for the Lions, not just because he appears to be healthy and coming off the injured list, but also because the incumbent, Shaq Cooper, appears doubtful to play on Saturday after missing practice throughout this week. Lamar Durant looks like he's probably going to be missing again in the receiving core. Ryan Burnham actually missed practice Thursday as well with a groin issue after being a full participant earlier in the week. Maybe keep an eye on that. And left tackle Joel Figueroa listed as limited, but he did play last week, so I can't imagine he misses this one. TJ Lee and Michael Riley also limited, but that's been the case just about all year for those guys, so I'm not really reading too much into that. Montreal stuck a few guys on the one-game injured list during their bye week, but honestly, I think those were paper transactions more than anything as Every one of them besides defensive tackle Michael Wakefield has been a full participant in practice the last two days. This team is remarkably healthy right now. In fact, the only key injury, if you want to call it that, is head coach Kahari Jones, who has contracted COVID and has been forced to be away from the team all week and obviously will not be present on the sidelines Saturday. Assistant coach slash running backs coach Andre Bolduc is going to be calling the shots in his absence. So what does that do for Montreal? Well, it's uh, you know it's not like uh, Kahari can't be part of game planning meetings and and all that that stuff. Uh, you know he's just doing it remotely, so I, I don't think this is really going to affect Montreal's prep all that much. Game days where this might cause some disruptions. Bull Duke will be coaching his first pro game, so there's always the chance we see a hiccup or two on Saturday night. But overall, this has been known since Monday, so Montreal's had all week to sort out everyone's duties in in a rather unique situation. Uh, where it'll get interesting is if there's a, a key decision to be made uh, spur of the moment at a, an important point in this game. And uh, I guess we'll just have to see how Bull Duke handles those calls. Tactically, Montreal's been successful this year when they pick up adequate yardage on first down. And they've been unsuccessful when they haven't. It's been pretty cut and dry. That is an oversimplification. But Vernon Adams hasn't had a whole lot of success passing the ball when the other team knows he has to pass. This guy reminds me a lot of Nelon Green, the the old Eskimos and Rough Riders quarterback from about 20 years ago. I I think Nelon actually played some time in Montreal as well, interestingly enough. But the mobile quarterback has largely gone extinct in the CFL over the last 15 years or so, I would say. But Adams is a bit of a throwback and that he's probably the only guy in the league right now, along with, you know, to a lesser extent, Cody Fajardo, where uh, designed quarterback runs and Run-pass options are actually a a noteworthy part of the overall offensive scheme. You know, and Adams is is effective at executing these plays and and turning nothing into something with his legs, where he gets into troubles when he gets happy feet in the pocket and tries to force off-balance throws into traffic. But, you know, when you combine his running ability with that of William Stanback, 
Yeah, it's safe to say this is going to be the biggest test for BC's run-stopping unit, probably since they played Saskatchewan way back in week one. Uh, BC moved Marcus Sales to the strong side linebacker position against Ottawa last week. He typically plays deeper in the secondary, but I wonder if perhaps they do that again here and use him as a spy of sorts to, to try and contain Adams when he gets flushed and, and looks to take off. Keep an eye on defensive end Obam Guachum too. This guy's starting to make some noise in his first CFL season after a 15-game NFL career a few years back, and he's formed a pretty solid bookend tandem on that line with J.R. Tavai. You know, whether these guys can keep stand back from finding traction is going to go a long way to deciding who wins this football game, and it's, it's one thing to stuff the run against Ottawa, as BC did, but this will be a different beast. If they are able to keep Montreal in second and medium and second and long situations, it bodes well for this secondary. They've got the personnel back there to capitalize on mistakes should they occur. And Montreal doesn't want to get themselves into a situation where they're throwing into seven-man backfields. For the Lions offense, the running game has clearly been a disappointment so far, but we'll see if Butler can get anything going. This will be his first game since week two, you know, assuming he is indeed going to come in for Cooper. Montreal hasn't been very good at stopping the run this year. They've given up a 15% opponent explosive run rate, which is, is not good at all. And anything BC can generate along the ground would really be a boon to this offense that's had to depend so heavily on, on Mike Riley's arm so far. Uh, BC has been really good at moving the sticks on first down with the, the trade-off for that being a, a high percentage of second and long situations when they're not able to execute on first with the way Montreal likes to blitz aggressively, the key here is going to be exploiting that aggressiveness for positive yardage on first down. This this Owls D-line has gotten a really good push in the middle from Almondo Sewell and Woody Barron. And these guys are going to cause havoc if they're able to just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. I, you know, I, I do think Riley's going to find some success here. It's It's tough to read too much into the games against Ottawa, but... You know, he's really been on the same page uh, with this receiver group lately. Javon Katoy looks like to be in the midst of a breakout season. And we'll see if they can maintain the, the momentum here against a stronger opponent. If you listen to part one of this podcast, you, you already got tipped off as to where my money will be placed in this matchup. As I, I did give out BC plus four as the best bet for this week. In all honesty, there's not really one side or total that really jumps out at me this week. This Looks like it will be a lower volume week for me in terms of investments, but I, I do think uh, four is, is just a little much here in, in what I expect to be an, an evenly played, probably a one possession game. You know, this is uh, this has been bet down to minus three already in a couple spots. So if, if you do fancy, fancy the, the Lions, uh, you know, or the Owls for that matter, I'd, I'd shop around a little, especially with the this number dancing on the key of three. Uh, you should be able to... Get, get a pretty good number, you know, regardless of, of what side you're on here. Uh, you know, in a scenario where Montreal plays a mistake-free game, relatively speaking, I, I think the advantage they have at the running back position is, is what would ultimately tip this game in their favor. But be they errors in execution, uh, you know, a bad play call at an important time, or a dumb penalty that kills a drive or sustains one for the opposition, the the Owls are usually good for one or two of those a game, uh, and and against a veteran team like the the Lions, uh, things like that open the door to potentially losing the game or or at a minimum failing to to cover the number. So you know, BC plus four still available in in the odd spot, and that uh, that does remain the best bet for week seven.
One last game to plow through here. Winnipeg will take the Willie Jefferson show on the road Saturday night, paying a visit to Commonwealth Stadium, where they will take on the Edmonton Elks, who are still looking for their first home win of the campaign. This number's been all over the place. With The, the Bombers were laying a hefty 8.5 points on the early lines. We saw them open way down at minus 4 when the main guys opened their lines up, and now we, we find ourselves right in the middle of that at minus 6.5. Over under is at 45. Reason for such quick move, movement in the Bombers' favor ties right into our injury report as the Elks announced Thursday that Trevor Harris has been moved to the six-game injured list. Sounds like this is a neck issue with no timetable for his return, as you might expect for that type of injury. Kwaku Botang has been out of practice all week, and you'd have to think he's pretty doubtful at this point. And the, the last bit of injury news for the Elks is that offensive lineman Sir Vincent Rogers, who missed all of the 2019 season after tearing his pectoral in training camp and hasn't played at all this year after getting hurt in camp again, is finally back on the practice field, and he might be getting close to making his long-awaited debut in the green and gold for Winnipeg, it's pretty much the same story as the last several weeks. Practically every key player on this roster is listed as limited, but none of those guys have looked any worse for wear on the field on game day. So at this point, unless somebody is actually declared out by the organization, uh, I think it's safe to assume they're probably all going to play. Overall, you know, not great news for Edmonton as, as this Winnipeg team is now uh, fully healthier, very close to it, and, and coming in off their most dominating win of the season. The, the untested youngster Taylor Cornelius is going to get his first pro start at quarterback for the Elks. This guy had some decent showings in college at, at Oklahoma State. Uh, he played a little bit in the XFL uh, when they tried to reboot things there a, a year back, and Bauer reports his arm has looked very good in practice, but there's really no telling what you're going to get out of somebody facing a pro defense under the lights for the very first time. He's a, he's a big man at, at six and a half feet tall. That, that might help a little going up against the defensive line that loves to get their mitts up and knock passes down. But given the struggles this offensive line of, of Edmonton's had against Calgary's pass rush last week, we, we might be just, just be seeing how well Cornelius's legs work too. The Elks didn't utilize James Wilder as much as we're accustomed to last week. You have to imagine that changes given the circumstances. And the, the Bombers uh, have been adequate at stopping the run so far, but I, I fully expect to see a, a serious effort to establish that ground game here and, and take a little bit of heat off the, the rookie. That'll open up some options in the passing game if Winnipeg is forced to ease off the blitz a little bit and respect the run. And this is a defense that isn't afraid to, to give up yards between the 20s with a lot of zone looks. So I, I can foresee a scenario where Edmonton is moving the sticks, but uh, no doubt the end zone is going to be difficult to find as Winnipeg is often able to tighten things up and force field goals once the other team gets near the red zone. How Zach Caleros does against a pass defense that has looked better than expected is, is something I'm interested in the the Elks defense hasn't had a single game grayed out at less than 52% effective defending the pass. Sorry, a little technical difficulty there. Uh, as I was saying, uh, the Elks defense, they, they haven't had, had any games grayed out less than 52% effective defending the pass. And, and this, this unit as a whole really can't be criticized for very much this season. They're, they're coming in at a, an excellent 57% effective in all situations with only only around 20% of opponent's snaps going for 10 or more yards. And 
those numbers are actually superior to those of the, the Winnipeg defense for reference. And while the stats and the metrics are just one piece of the puzzle, I, I think it's fair to say the Edmonton defense has flown a little under the radar so far. I don't expect a lot of, of game over game adjustments for the Bombers on, on offense. What they're doing with the balanced run and pass attack is, is working very well for them. I, I do think the middle of the field remains the one area of vulnerability for this Edmonton defense. And this could be a week where we see Andrew Harris really bust out between the hash marks. I don't think there's any question he'll see plenty of the football here and the ability of the Elks defensive front to stay on top of him is, I think, going to be the biggest factor in keeping the Bombers neutralized. Uh, that the defense will be bolstered by the addition of former Ryder and Las Vegas Raider Derek Moncrief at the linebacker position. This guy, uh, he was a difference maker in 2019 with the Riders. Sometimes these guys come back from the NFL and just don't have the same mojo, but we'll we'll see what Moncrief's able to bring to the table on Saturday. It's understandable to see this line balloon out to just about a touchdown in light of the Trevor Harris announcement, but I do feel this could be a bit of a trap game for the Bombers. They're coming off uh, two big emotional wins against their biggest rival, they're comfortably in first place, and, and so I do believe there's some letdown potential here, particularly for a team that always seems to play a lot better at home than on the road. Obviously, Edmonton has been terrible at home so far, uh, but the, the lackluster play of Harrison in all three of those games was a big reason for that. And while it's, of course, way too soon to suggest Taylor Cornelius can guide this offense to to a win, I I don't think it's a stretch to expect that he, you know, he might perform better than what we saw from Harrison those three losses. As, as I mentioned, this Elks defense has quietly gone about their business and given their team a chance to win pretty well every week. They weren't great in week two against Montreal, but as, you know, aside from that, they've shown up and, and balled out for the most part. I don't think this is a spot where you necessarily see Winnipeg pulling out all the stops or, or putting things on film that they'd rather have in their back pocket for later on unless they really need to in order to get the win. So I would not be in, in any particular hurry to back them at nearly a full touchdown against a defense that I think should keep them under 25. Now throwing your money on a, a rookie going up against Willie Jefferson and the boys with the suspect blindside protection at the tackle position is is not something I would advise either. So I think this is another game where uh, you know you probably just stand pat if this number stays where it's at. For the most part the Bombers defense is buckled down tighter and tighter as games go on. I, I think we probably see this game slow down in the second half. And based on what we've seen in the CFL up to this point, 45 points isn't exactly a, a small total in a game with, with arguably the top two defenses in the league going at it. I do think this is a pretty good underplay at this number. You know, the, the 43 to 45 range is, is a bit of a dead zone total wise. So, uh, if this uh, this starts to tick down to 44 and a half or 44, I, I wouldn't be scared off by that. Um, I think both these teams would probably do well to go go much past 20 points here. Forecast in, in Edmonton is calling for a fairly cool evening with some gusting wind. Wind is the enemy of the pass game, so that's that's another factor that plays to the under here. It was basically a coin flip between this under and the, that BC plus four for the best bet this week, so... Take that for what it's worth. Mind you, we are now at two and four for best bets this season. So, yeah, hell, maybe fading both these plays is your edge this week. <laughs> but either way, I'm grateful for each and every one of you who press play when these podcasts drop. 
If you do want to get in touch with the show, fire off an email to cflbettingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I guess other than that, enjoy another fine weekend of CFL action. May it be a successful one, both in terms of entertainment value and financial considerations. So let's go lay our bets down and uh, we will see you again soon. Thank <laughs> you.